Hello, I'm Diana Green, the Bard of Hudson, and welcome to season two. More stories, more connections, more adventures. Happily divorced and parenting two amazing humans, I set out to discover why this life is worth living and what the heck I was meant to do with the time that was given to me. My hope is to remind you, inspire you, and connect with you here and in person. And to that end, please, please share, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the podcast and join my Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com slash dianathebard. In the end, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Good morning, my friends. Oh, I'm so excited because today I've got, I got a story for you. Oh, my God. Oh my god, it's one that came back from the archives way back when, as I was talking to my mom over the breakfast table. Just happened to come up. But first I wanted to tell you, because at the end of last episode, I promised to tell you about some other ideas that I had for bringing the Bard of Hudson live to different places. And I had this fun idea when I was brainstorming with my kid. My daughter is great at like, boom, ideas coming fast and furious. So great. So I was brainstorming with her because I had the thought to rent a storefront, an empty storefront in Nyack, and then perhaps in other places if this works out too, as a pop-up Bard of Hudson live recording booth or something so that I would sit in that storefront and uh, have an invitation for people to come in and tell me their story. This came from an idea I had for a residency application because there's a writer's residency, well, an artist residency in Savannah, Georgia that operates in a storefront. And their premise is that they like to have the artists there doing their work so that people passing by in the shopping area of Savannah can see art being made, you know, right there in front of them and come in and inquire from the artist what's going on. So I thought if I applied for that residency, I would put some kind of provocative question in the window and say, come in and tell me about your life and record other people's stories too. I've been looking for ways to extend this format and this podcast to not just me and to other stories because I did the interviews with Annie and with Andy and those were so fun. And those were adjacent stories to my own. But really, in a grander sense, everyone who shares airspace with me is adjacent to my story, right? So I can interview anybody, anyone at all. And I would love to interview you if you would like to come on the podcast. So let me know. But I'm exploring that idea and I'll let you guys know if I'm going to be somewhere live like that. And we also had the other idea that I could go and sit at a relatively quiet bar somewhere and have stories at the bar. I don't know. <laughs> it's a silly pun, but yeah, the bar is open for business or something. I don't know. So I'm working on various ideas and uh, let me know if you have any thoughts on that. That would be great. So yes, I have a great story for you today that is an expansion upon some of my mom's adventures. And it comes from the year when she was 19 years old. So when my mom was 19, 
she was expelled from Vassar University. Is it called Vassar College? I'm not sure. Anyway, she was expelled from Vassar, and if you want to hear more about that, you can listen in on episodes 38 and 39, whoa, way back, way back. And her mother, my grandmother, made many efforts to get her into lots of other schools, and after pulling all the strings she could pull, my mom ended up at the University of Utah, because my grandmother had lived in Salt Lake when she was a girl, and so she knew a lot of people there. So there my mom was, way out of her element, in the University of Utah. And in her junior year, her dad gave her a new car. Cute little Fiat that she could use to explore a bit more of the West, the wild West, where she was. But unfortunately, that cute little Fiat ended up in someone's yard wrapped around a telephone pole. And now I have some thoughts on how that might have happened. Uh, yeah, well, if you've heard any of my ramblings about my mother, you'll know exactly what I mean. In any case, I just thought about a crazy parallel, which is that my daughter Savannah's dad, Dave, also gave her a car in her junior year, a Mazda that he had leased for her, which also didn't turn out well. But weird how generations parallel. That whole thing about me being in the middle again and watching my daughter and my mother live their very similar parallel lives. That's a story for another day. Anyhow, so she traded in the remains of the old, of the nice new Fiat for an ancient old army Jeep. And I was like, ooh, a Jeep, huh? And she goes, no, 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 it wasn't like that. It was really rickety. But apparently she had never had it checked out. And it turns out that the brakes were completely shot, which she only discovered upon going down a steep hill, which there are a lot of those in the West because they're in the mountains. And that Jeep also ended up in someone's yard after a long hill and a runaway ride. And so mom decided, oh, gee, that's not really a safe car. And when she told her own mother about this, my poor grandmother, <laughs> with her many trials and tribulations <laughs> and this daughter, my grandmother sent her money for a train ride back to New York for the summer. She was a smart lady, at least that way. <laughs> but, of course, Mom was like, train? No, I want to see the country. So she took that money for the train ride, and she bought herself a Vespa. In those days, those were a brand new idea. Nobody had cute little motorcycles in those days. Certainly not girls. Girls didn't have cute little motorcycles. But she bought a Vespa for $300. She bought a jumpsuit and goggles and a helmet. And she got herself a backpack and loaded it up and prepared to go cross-country on the Vespa. For her first leg of the journey, she had a passenger. And that was a lucky thing. This passenger only needed to be taken as far as Craig, Colorado, so it wasn't too long that she had companionship, but for a little while. And let's keep in mind that at that time, gas was five cents a gallon. That's also a lucky thing. So, at the very first rest stop, to fill up the tank once again, Mom left her wallet on the sink in the ladies' room. 
she didn't notice because she had a passenger who paid for dinner that night on the way to Craig, Colorado, and paid for the overnight stay. That was the price of her trip. When she dropped that person off, apparently, finally, she did notice that she didn't have a wallet, and she borrowed some money from her, which she thought was going to last her a good long while at five cents a gallon. But of course, there's food, and there's where are you going to stay at night? How are you going to sleep? Yeah, a lot of things that weren't taken into consideration. Apparently, there's one photograph of her from this trip that exists somewhere, and she says someone took a picture of her in Partial, Colorado, which is a tiny podunk town close to my family's ranch. She says she wasn't going to the ranch, but somehow she ended up stopping there somewhere. That photograph is burned into her memory, but she has no idea where it is. I'm going to have to find it. In any case, to get to Colorado, she had to go over Rabbit Ears Pass, which is a very high mountain pass in the Rockies. At the time, the road there was a single lane on each side. And this Vespa, she says, went a maximum of 43 miles per hour. But definitely that wasn't possible when you were climbing a very steep hill. So to go over Rabbit Ears Pass, she said she had a long line of cars behind her that were beeping and angry and trying to pass. And that she finally, when she got on the other side of the pass and could go downhill, it was much better. <laughs> After the Rockies, the roads were a little bit easier, but other hazards lay in wait for her. One day, somewhere in Nebraska, she was pulled over by a cop who insisted, after determining that she was okay, insisted on accompanying her back to her room where she was staying for the night in a boarding house. He wanted to go inside. And of course, mom says now that she knew she was very naive and trusting and believed that law enforcement was generally there for her protection. But this particular fellow was not. After gaining entrance into her room, he made it clear that sex was on the agenda next. And she says she made an excuse to go to the bathroom and she picked up her backpack to do that. And he said, why? Why are you taking your backpack? And she said, oh, uh, I have female problems. She went into the bathroom and ran away by escaping through the window, jumped on her Vespa and took off in the middle of the night. Yikes, that was horrible. She says that rain was a problem, certainly on, a, on an unprotected motorcycle for hundreds and hundreds of miles. So when it started to rain, she went into a gas station bathroom, took a bunch of plastic bags and wrapped her body underneath her jumpsuit to keep her shielded from the wind and the rain. The goggles covered only her eyes, so the rest of her face was exposed to not only the sun beating down on other days, but also to the exhaust from cars and trucks. Every time she took off her goggles at night, she had to wash her face because it was completely black. In another part of the country, perhaps somewhere around Kansas, 
she saw a sign on a bulletin board for a cheap room in a house where she could stay that night. But the next morning, the man who owned the house came into her room and insisted that sex was part of the payment. She says she had to fight him off and escape once again. Girls traveling alone on motorcycles were apparently very suspect and easy prey for the unsavory element, shall we say. Somewhere around Illinois, she ran out of money, the money that she had borrowed, and she had to go into a Western Union and wait around for a few hours for a wire transfer from her friend Penelope back in Utah. She had to do this a second time somewhere around Pennsylvania from a young man named Clark, who was later to become my dad. During the long stretch of Pennsylvania, she got so bored, she said, that she decided to take the copy of Hamlet that she was carrying in her backpack and open it up across the handlebars of the motorcycle and start to commit to memory the first act. So imagine she was holding the book across the handlebars and reading as she was driving about 35 miles per hour. At one point, she hit an oil patch, and as she says, my motorcycle went one way and I went the other, and then I decided perhaps reading on the motorcycle was not so wise. <laughs> I said, Mom, why didn't you know that before? And she said, well, these are things that you do when you're 20 and you don't think about it. And I said, Mom, then how can you look at your granddaughters and fault them for all the crazy things that they do? She said, well, yeah, I guess you're right. At about Morristown, New Jersey, she woke up one afternoon to find herself weaving along on the motorcycle at about 15 miles per hour, weaving back and forth between the sides of the road. She hadn't eaten or slept in at least 40 hours. She shook her head to wake herself up enough to get off the bike, and she went up to somebody's door and knocked on the door, and the person came to the door and then quickly almost shut it, but she said, wait, wait, help, I'm lost. Can you tell me where is New York City? And they pointed in the direction opposite to the way that she had been coming and then quickly shut the door. She must have looked a fright with her black face and her white raccoon eyes and her dirty jumpsuit. She says she lost about 10 pounds over the course of the 10 days trip because she didn't have the money to eat at a certain point. She had to save money for gas and telephone calls. At the George Washington Bridge, she had to make a promise to pay the 10 cent toll after she arrived home because she couldn't spare the dime. That is an old time take on tolls by mail, I have to say. But she said they took her promise and they were okay with that and they gave her an address where to send the money. She passed on by New York and her mother's house, which was right there in Nyack, Grandview actually, because she didn't want to appear to her mom like that. She knew that her mom 
would have an absolute fit to see her in that condition. But somewhere on the Merritt Parkway, the Vespa finally died. It had been brand new in Salt Lake, but mom had never put any oil on the chain or in the engine. So she had to trek to a phone booth and call her friends in Connecticut, where she had been heading. And her friends, Gail and Judy, came to get her with a truck, and they loaded the Vespa onto the truck. After staying overnight at their house and recuperating and eating, she went on to Grand Central Station to meet her mother as if she had taken the train. She says her mom didn't find out about this odyssey until much later that summer. I'm sure she had a heart attack when she found out. Oh my. So there's my mom's Odyssean adventure in the summer of her junior year. Go listen to more stories about her. She's quite a character. All right, more stories about me and all kinds of people that I might meet. Coming your way with the next episode and everything after that. Thanks so much for being here, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Please reach out with your thoughts and your comments. You can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or Facebook at Diana Green or on my website, bardofhudson.com, where you can listen to the podcast directly from there or leave comments. I would love to hear from you. And please check out my Patreon page for photos and videos and extra goodies that I don't share anywhere else. And wherever you're listening, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. It makes a huge difference and it helps other people to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.